Some of you know me, some of you don't. So let me do a little introduction here. A story from many years ago. We lived on the south coast of England. Actually, it was the southwest. In an area called Devon. If you think of Devon, you think of thatched cottages and cream teas, narrow lanes, all the rest of it. Gorgeous area. In fact, the area that was my home was known as the, the Queen of the English Riviera, right on one of the largest natural harbors of the world. So the great ships would come in. You've seen them in Charleston. Well, they would come in and assemble in the bay, and what a majestic sight they would be. Well, obviously, I grew up enjoying the time being able to be right just 100 yards from the ocean. It was one of my greatest playgrounds. And my friend and I, we were probably about 12 or 13. We were down climbing amongst the rocks and the caves one day. And we, we had a favorite game we would play. Truth, dare, and promise. And you had to pick which one you wanted to choose that day. Well, truth. That's a bit boring, isn't it? Promise. Well, you're wide open then. So you know which one was my favorite? Dare, because you never knew what was coming. And on this particular day, we were in a, at a headland, and she looked up, Brenda looked up, and she saw a wall that had been built across the mouth of a cave. It was probably the remnants of the anti-landing preparations during the war. She says, Anne, I dare you to climb up on top of that wall and jump off. Okay. So I climbed up the cliff, got on top of the wall, didn't really look, but jumped. Then there was a funny sensation. I wasn't falling. I was suspended. This was the days when little girls wore dresses. And my dress had billowed out like a little parachute during my fall. And now, here I was. There's the ground, there's the top, and I'm in the middle. And behind me, praise the Lord for his protection, was a spike sticking out that my lovely skirt had caught on. It didn't last too long because all of a sudden there was a funny sound. And I landed, plop, in the cave. I scrambled out and inspected the damage. Oh, because now I had to go home and tell the truth about my dare. Going home was a little kind of uh, interesting. Explaining to my mother was even more interesting. But this morning, we're looking at promise. That was one I didn't take that day. But let's look at it. Promise. The Bible is full of God's promises, which is wonderful. 
With my family being across in the UK and me being over here, I used to go back regularly to see my parents. And each time I went back, I had to promise I was returning. And so I would send notes, write letters, make phone calls, just to make sure my children were reassured and knew I would be coming back. That is what your Bible is. Absolutely full of a father's heart of love promising his children. So what is a promise? You have it in your handout. Or what is the value of a promise? A promise, you can write this down if you like, it's an assurance God gives to his people or his children so they can live by faith while they wait for him to act. Let me say it again. It's important. A promise is an, is an assurance that God gives his people or his children so that they can live by faith while they wait for him to act. It's almost like Christmas morning coming, isn't it? The children know they're going to receive the presents and they're anxious and they're waiting till that moment comes. Well, according to the dictionary, a promise is to give your word, to do or not do something. It's a statement assuring another person will do or not do something. Or it's a, a sign of future success. You know, you show promise. Did you ever have that on your report card? Shows promise. <laughs> Wide open. But the value of the promise is dependent on the person who gives it. Oh, haven't we been caught out time and time again? Do I need to say politicians? You all know what I mean. Oh, I'll promise this and I'll promise that and I'll do this and I'll do that. Let's say no more there. The key is, is the promiser able to fulfill what they are saying? Have they got the resources behind them? Well, the Bible reveals that God is a promiser. But more important than that, you can believe God because he not only makes a promise, but he keeps every promise that he gives. He truly is the genuine promise keeper. Joshua 23, 14. 1 Kings 8.56, he gives his promises to his people in his word so they can live in hope no matter what their circumstances until his promise is fulfilled. No matter what is going on in their lives, his promise is there. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, 
God does not give us everything we want, but he does fulfill his promises, leading us along the best and the straightest paths to himself. That's the purpose of his promises, to lead us onwards towards himself. And so why can we trust God? Even during the most difficult times, God's promises do not change. But with God at our side, our faith develops through all that we experience. We all know that Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not unto your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. Here's the promise. And he will direct your paths. One of the modern translations think, uh, goes this way. Don't trust in what you think you know. Hey, does that get to you? We gain stability and we're assured the outcome is in God's hands. He has got a plan for our lives. The waiting is where God's promises are relevant and reliable. We're encouraged by his word and we express our trust in him. In an email, a young man wrote this and he's in a situation not of his choosing. It's not a good situation. He's not enjoying it. But in one of his downtimes. He was working his way through it, and he says, I reminded myself of all the things that God has promised, and, has, um, and sown, and reminded myself that the only worthy sacrifice to the Lord is our complete surrender and our utter dependence. Dependence on the Lord and dependence on his promises. If God has the power to speak and form the universe, he has the power to keep all the promises he has made to us in his word. So if you're getting the blues and you're doubting, look around you. Who's got this? Who created this? Who holds it? in harmony, your promiser. Yes, God can deliver because God is eternal. He is all-knowing. He is all-powerful. He's ever-present. He's pure. He's holy. He's almighty, sustainer, healer, trustworthy, faithful, reliable, eternal, and true. God can deliver. God is reliable. Therefore, his promises are always true. Jeremiah 32, 27. I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is anything too hard for me? You want it in the New Testament? Check out Elizabeth. Is anything too hard for God? God's promises 
are exceedingly great and precious. And at the top of your page, you have 2 Peter 1.4. He has granted us his precious and very great promises so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful natures. Very great and precious promises. A promise is given. Then it has to be accepted. A promise isn't a promise until it's accepted. Okay? Then it has to be believed. And then faith exercised before the promise is fulfilled. Each time we put God's promises to the test by claiming them and believing them and applying them, our faith is deepened and empowered. I'm taking you back now to the earlier years. I've been around a long time. My earlier years, and I'm calling this the circle of faith. You can try it when you're in a group on your own. But you get five or six people to stand in a circle. Just close enough so that you can put your hands on their shoulders. And, okay, are you ready for it? You give them the promise. They are all standing, each one back, facing the back of the person in front of them. Okay, got the picture? And you say to them, now, do you believe that you can all sit down without a chair? Try this. When I give you the word, everyone must believe it, everyone must act on it immediately, without faltering or doubting. And you say, sit. Believe it or not, everyone will be supported. They will not need a chair. Each one will end up sitting on the knee of the person behind. What an amazing picture of the power of a promise. But even more, the amazing picture of the circle of faith that is shared. Psalm 121 gives a wonderful picture. I was glad when they said, let us go to the house of the Lord. And it gives a picture of the houses, each one leaning on the other. Okay? Kind of a same sort of thing. Circle of faith, a living example of faith being tested. 1 Kings 8.56 says, Blessed be the Lord according to all that he has promised. Not one word has failed of all his good promises. We have three children. We were told we'd never have any, but God decided differently. And we had three in five years. I had a rule in the car when we were going long-distant journeys you will not use felt-tip pens. So my three are sitting, little ones always in the middle, 
flanked by the other two. That separates them. But she can be a problem too. Anyway, we're going along, and I happen to glance over my shoulder. There's a felt-tip pen out. I say, you put that felt-tip pen away. You know we don't have those in the car. Well, there's not much response to start with. And then one turns to the other and says, you had better do what mum says because she always keeps her word. <laughs> My word had been, if you don't put it away, it's going out of the window. <laughs> there was no action. And the pen went sailing out of the window. <laughs> there was silence in the car for a while. All the promises of God find their yes in him. That is why through him we can utter our amen to God for his glory. That's in 2 Corinthians 1.20. Faith enables us to claim the promises of God. That's Jerry Bridges. He's halfway down your page. If you have God's word, his promises in your heart, his word will promote faith in your life. Relying on God's promises means if in effect, he says it, I believe it. What's more simple than that? He says it, I believe it. Believing God's promises exercises faith. When we fail to trust God, we doubt his sovereignty. And we question his goodness. We cast doubt on his majesty and his character. How can we overcome this? By reading our Bible consistently. In obedience, we apply the truths that we draw from the Bible into our lives. It's not a case of, oh, yes, that's my passage, those are my verses, read it, done it, shut it, put it away. What is it teaching me? What is it saying to me today where I am? Pray for the Holy Spirit to move in your heart and increase your understanding. Check the context in which the promise is given because some are unique promises. Remember Mary, uh, Gabriel's promise to Mary? She was going to be with child? That is not for all of you, okay? <laughs> but this one is. John, 1 John 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Is that a promise you need to claim right now? It's there, remember. A promise has to be accepted. It has to be believed. It has to be acted upon. When we have life in Christ, God has promised to supply every spiritual blessing, everything we need for godly living. Each one of us needs to have 
a personal relationship with our Heavenly Father and our Lord Jesus Christ for those promises to be real and true. I wonder how you relate to God's promises. Didn't put this in your question sheet. Are they something I rarely think about? Or do they just make you feel good? Are they central to your life? Or do they help your faith to grow? Well, one of the promises that we have is the promise of God's love. And that love came into my life about the same time as I was doing my jump off the wall into the cave. I was at a camp. I was from a church home where my parents had been brought up to attend church and be active in it. Father was a choir boy and an altar boy and was at church just about at least three times every Sunday. Mother was a Sunday school teacher in the church that her father had helped to found. How sad that for all those years of knowledge and ritual, they did not have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. As with many young couples, they got wrapped up in life and it got busy, too busy for church, but they did send me to Sunday school. And when I asked Jesus to come into my life and I became a Christian, they were not pleased. Christians are hypocrites, was their response. My love for the Lord didn't falter, although my spiritual growth was inhibited. There were many hiccups and, oh boy, many misunderstandings. David Jeremiah's quote, Saving us is the greatest and most concrete demonstration of God's love, the definitive display of his grace throughout time and eternity. God proves his own love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 5, 8. While we were still sinners, we had to do nothing while we were still sinners. How can we describe the love of God? Well, it's almost beyond description. Love is an attribute of God. It is, expresses the way God is but also goodness and mercy, justice and faithfulness, holiness, they all express the way God is too. They are the essence of God. Okay? When you get the essence of something, you get the condensed purity of it. Love is the essence of God. He's always all of those other qualities, plus love, all of the time. You can't take out one and just isolate it. 
Its love is fulfilled in Jesus Christ and it's described in the Old Testament as unconditional. Hesed is one term. It's the Hebrew word used in Hosea, the book of Hosea. The absolute unconditional love while we were still sinners. We don't deserve God's love and we cannot earn it. It's a gift so freely given. God loved us right from the beginning of creation. He records his love, reminds us of his love throughout his word. And his love will extend throughout eternity. I am the Alpha and the Omega. He is the very essence of God. So love knows no beginning and no end. John 3.16, you can all quote it. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Andrew Murray. Yes, you've got him. God is love. Love is his very being. Love is not an attribute, but the very essence of his nature. The center around which all other attributes gather. The love of the Father towards the Son. That is divine passion in which he delights his Son and speaks, My beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. When we gather all the attributes of God, his infinity, his perfection, his immensity, his majesty, his omnipotence, his holiness, his faithfulness, and his love, we consider them as rays or maybe facets of the glory of his love. We still fail in complete understanding of what that love must be. It is a love that transcends all understanding. It's immeasurable. It's incomprehensible. It's huge. Psalm 103, verse 11. For as high as the heavens are above the earth. I've lost me a bit. Oh, well, here we are. So great is his steadfast love for those who fear him. Our Father's love cannot be contained. You can't put it in a box. It cannot be measured. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so far. Does that give you goosebumps? You think of that little robot that's been asleep for three years. They've just woken him up and he's on his way to catch a... or something, a comet that's on its way. They want to know how high the heavens are. The first astronauts recorded that they didn't find God. They haven't got to God. As high as the heavens, so far, so great is his steadfast love. What's so amazing, that immeasurable love, so unlimited, so undeserved, it's always available to us, to those who love him 24-7. Romans 8, 39. If you read it in the message, 
absolutely nothing can get between us and God's love. I love this bit. Because of the way God embraces us, holds us. If you're in someone's embrace, you're treasured, you're loved. Nothing can get in between us and God's love. Do you like selecting birthday cards? I do. Well, some years ago, and I haven't seen it for a long time, there was this little birthday card. It had the picture of a dog on the front, and I have a soft spot for dogs. Ask me after this weekend. My daughter's got a new, new puppy, and it's got to be taken out every 45 minutes. We're babysitting, <laughs> dog sitting. Anyway, this little dog on front of the birthday card does not look very happy. I don't blame him. He's the kind of little dog that wears skin that's one size fits all. It fits where it touches and hangs. And under this miserable little character, it says, God loves each one of us just as we are. That gave me a smile. But my smile increased to a chuckle when I opened the card up and it said inside, aren't you glad he's got a sense of humor? <laughs> yes, I am. Because God's love is joyful. It is not a burden. Joy is the fruit of the Spirit. And in God's love, we have joy. Yes, God has poured out his love into our hearts. Romans 5, 5. He's poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. How are we doing for time? Hmm. Okay. So what do, how do we exhibit this love in our lives? Well, you know 1 Corinthians 13, don't you? I put it in your sheets from the message to have a different impact. As a pastor's wife, I was often invited to showers, wedding showers. And that's another story. But anyway, my gift to the young couple became a scatter pillow with love in needlepoint on the front. And attached to the pillow was 1 Corinthians 13. Love never gives up. Love cares more for others than themselves. Love doesn't want what it doesn't have, doesn't strut, doesn't have a swelled head, doesn't force itself on others, and it isn't always me first, doesn't fly off the handle, doesn't keep a score of sins of others, doesn't revel when others grovel, takes pleasure in the flowering of truth, puts up with anything, trusts God always. Always looks for the best, never looks back, but keeps going to the end. Love never dies. My challenge, when you get home, read that, then personalize it by putting your name in instead of love. Uh-oh. <laughs> At the end of my little note to these young married couples... I put, 
this pillow is not for ammunition. <laughs> Why is it so important we display these qualities in our lives? Jesus said to his disciples in John 13, 34, A new commandment I give you. You love one another even as I have loved you, that you love one another. By this will all men know that you are my disciples. If you have love for one another. Jesus' advertising campaign. Love one another. And it was this love that I saw in Christians and between Christians that made a huge impact on my life and draw me, uh, drew me to Jesus. Is that happening in your life? Yes. Can I t show you a little bit of something that came out of our home? I thought I'd lost it and went digging. It was decidedly grubby when I found it, so I had to clean it. And as I'm cleaning it, I thought, oh, I'm cleaning off many years of sticky fingers. Because this little love can sat on our meal table, right in the center. Because we have three children who, in their teenage years, were very vocal and not always loving towards each other. And so someone had given me this little can and we parked it in the middle of the table and we said, right kids, our meal times are for family bonding and encouragement and love. There are plenty of other people outside our home who will tell you all the negatives you ever want to hear and don't want to hear. They'll do your best to pull you down so that they can look good. Here, it's different. We love each other and we express that. If at any time you start a conversation that is anything but loving, however funny you may think it is, you put a fine in the love can. If and when the love can is filled, it will go to the mission field. So you will be a blessing by learning to love. It sat on our table for years. And yes, it did get filled and emptied. And I laughed. If I can get it to come out, hello. A little note. See, it's kind of old and dingy, but I don't want to throw it out because it gives me a laugh and it reminds me of memories. It says, Mary Ann, our eldest daughter, owes 75 cents. <laughs> when I found the can, I showed it to her and she said, oh, I remember that. She said, I had said something and Dad said, 10 cents. But, but Dad, 20 cents. But, but Dad! <laughs> it went up to 75 cents. <laughs> Our little love can. 
The love we learn of Jesus' love for us. He delights in us as his redeemed children. There's no love counts with him. The longing of his love towards you is stronger than death. The heart of God yearns for you and seeks your fellowship and love. Get that? The heart of God yearns for you and seeks your fellowship and love. God's promise of love in the Old Testament was fulfilled in Jesus Christ. The love of the Father is expressed so clearly through his word and in his plan. It extends throughout eternity. Jerry Bridges again. God's unfailing love for us is an objecting, uh, objective fact affirmed over and over again in the scriptures. Jesus showed the love of God to the world as he lived here on earth. He pointed ahead to a time when he would be crucified. But he would arise and ascend to be with his Father in heaven. And we can hear him in John 17 pleading with his Father. It's a prayer that throbs with the love that Jesus has for those who love him and for the desires that he has for us. The love of God through Jesus Christ binds us to him and nothing can separate us. Sinclair Ferguson says, God's love is the most awesome thing about him. Romans 8, 38 and 39. We sang about it. Neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth... Any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. In John 14, 1 through 4, Jesus comforts his disciples as he re reveals his betrayal and his plan for the future. And he gives them a promise that amazes them. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with you, me with you. I'm oh, sorry. Take you to be with me, that you may be where I am. A promise, a promise is what? An assurance that God gives his people so they can live by faith while they wait for him to act. I will come back and take you to be with me so that you may be where I am. As we look back over God's promises... Let's not doubt. Ephesians 3. Now unto him who is able to do more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, faith. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Let me finish with this. Romans 
16, 15. Behold, I come like a thief. Blessed is he who stays awake. <laughs>